This is the Beyond the Profi podcast, the podcast that empowers you and inspires you to seek career excellence while pursuing your passion. And I'm your host, Jasmine Haley. Welcome to the Beyond the Profi podcast. I have a wonderful guest who I have personally met through the American Dental Hygienist Association. We were both attendees at the Unleashing Your Potential in 2015, and it is my pleasure and honor to introduce you to Stacy Stout. Thank you, Stacy, for coming on the show today. Thanks, Jasmine, for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, certainly me too. Um, I think what you have done in your career so far, because uh, I'm always a firm believer that you haven't really yet achieved your greatest achievement. <laughs> um, I think we have to be continuously working towards whatever that may be, whatever Absolutely. that goal may be. But I've been watching you kind of lurking a little bit with the Utah <laughs> Dental Hygiene Association and have been wanting to interview you for so long um, <laughs> because what you do is amazing. So uh, I'm very well, excited. Thanks. You know, it, it has been a long journey and I couldn't have done it without the connections that I have made through the, you know, my local constituent, um, the component as well as the national association. I've been fortunate to have many opportunities um, to participate and it's just open doors and avenues for me. So I'm grateful to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about what you're currently doing right now so that the um, listeners who are listening understand the scope of how you practice and how you think beyond the profi now. Okay. I am excited to share with you. Um, So we have a couple projects going on right now that I um, am um, kind of the leader for. I have a nursing home project. A couple years ago, the Utah Department of Health um, Oral Health Division came and approached me with the Dental Hygienist Association. Um, They had seen a project that I had put together for assisted living, um, and I I did it through, again, um, OHI with uh, American Dental Hygienist Association. I had written a grant for the Wrigley Grant. Um, I had a a hygienist friend who was actually the marketing director for this assisted living. And I, um, and she approached me and said, Hey, we need oral health going on in our assisted living. And I said, absolutely. Let's, let's put something together. And so I wrote for this grant. We were able to get the grant. Um, and that was our first pilot program in Utah. This happened shortly after, um, the, change in legislation allowing dental hygienists to practice in public health settings. And so um, I was president of the Dental Hygienist Association at the time. And so I felt like I felt like a huge responsibility to get this off the ground. You know, we passed legislation. Now what do we do with it? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, so that was what we did with it. I said, well, let's do a pilot program. And I made the connection. We did just decide to do it in assisted living and it got the attention of the state. And they said, we love what you did. We love the model. We love that you're working in, um, with our senior population who currently has no, uh, dental benefits whatsoever. And so, um, what, let's get together and write this federal grant for, um, 10 nursing homes, 
across the state. And so um, it took us about a year to write that grant and we received at the end of this last year. So starting in September um, of this last year, we, we started our, we started working in our, um, towards our 10 nursing homes. So how it, how it works is we have, um, I, it's kind of twofold, really. Mm -hmm. We, it's, Yes, we're there. We we're in areas that have not received any kind of dental care in. I mean, some of these sweet little people, I love mm-hmm. them to death, mm-hmm. but they they have no access to dental care um, uh, and oral health, and it's not happening in these nursing homes. And so, um, we we go in on we're we're there at a nursing home one week a month. And during that week on Monday, a hygiene team comes in and does all the assessments, the x-rays, intraoral images, um, all the data gathering. And then um, the Tuesday through Friday, the hygienist, we have a, um, the rest of the team comes in and just does cleanings. And, and then the dental, we actually have a dental team that comes in and does restorative care um, during that week. And then in consecutive weeks, depending on if they have to do dentures and things like that. So anyway. Um, the, the, the twofold mission of that is number one, to get care to these seniors and number mm-hmm. two, to give opportunities for dental hygienists to work in alternate settings. A lot of them are, um, that I've come in contact with don't know the first step to take. They see that there's a need, they want to help, but you need instruments and you need a portable cavitron and you Mm -hmm. need some mobile equipment and you need a computer program that is HIPAA compliant. So you can enter your treatment notes. And, um, so there's a lot that goes into this. And so bringing hygienists in working with, um, our dentist as a collaborative practice. Um, we're able to give them opportunities to learn, to grow. Um, and then my hope and dream is that these hygienists, um, feel the confident and comfortable and setting up a, their own, um, collaborative practice within an, another nursing home or assisted living, um, across the state. Absolutely. I love that. So to, for the listeners, we're going to, we're going to condense all that she does to (laughs) managing and like, uh, well, we'll put it as the administrative role that you see about, you know, the different roles of a hygienist an administrative role, a clinical role, serving Mm -hmm. a vulnerable population and a collaborative public health sort of practice or program. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's it. So I I, abs- I love that. I love that. I love that. Did you always know in your career um, as you were starting out that you would be in, involved in public health? I had a passion for it. So I was a dental assistant for about 12 years. Um, and even as a dental assistant, I found opportunities to work with those that needed me the most. I mean, Mm -hmm. I worked in private practice mainly, but I had an opportunity right before I went to dental hygiene school to be an assistant in a grant funded program for special needs patients. And I think that's where I found my first love. Um, 
I mean, you're working in private practice. It's fantastic. You love the people, you love the families, but when you're working in an environment where you see that you are making such an impact for these people that have no access, like it just makes your heart happy. Absolutely. Um, had opportunities to go and work, um, provide care in uh, really um, poor countries in the world. I've been to Mali, Africa and Haiti. And, um, and even there, there's just, there's no access to oral care. There's a, they're, they're, they're suffering. They, they're, they're, have teeth abscessing. They don't understand the importance of preventive care. And so to be able to make an impact in those areas too. It's just, that's where my love and my passion has been. And I've taken what I've learned in, um, doing mobile and portable, um, dental hygiene clinics basically, and brought that back to my own communities and tried to expand that for the populations that were here. It was funny. I had a couple years ago, I had um, I was, I was heading off on one of my second trips to Haiti and I had a good hygienist friend and she goes, what are you doing? And I said, what do you mean? <laughs> I, I'm providing care to people that need it most. And she said, you know what? You could walk down the street and you're going to see as much need here in your own community that you're going to see in Haiti. Mm-hmm. And it's made me stop and it made me think about where I really needed to spend my time. And, and she was right. I, I can tell you that as I go into nursing homes and, and I've, and we can get to this in a minute too, but I've got also two school-based programs. And as I go into those areas, I, it's very, it's very comparable. I mean, to what I see, what I saw in Mali, Africa, the, the third poorest nation in the world, I see in our own nursing homes in this country that should have, you know, more, uh, access to care. And, mm-hmm. um, what we see in oral health is, is comparable to yes. areas that don't have that. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if anyone has never seen the PBS documentary dollars, a dentist, uh, that is a, f- a good first start to understand how the dental infrastructure is broken. Um, and our profession is being underutilized. In addition to that reading teeth, you have to read that if you really want to understand the scope of dentistry, and the way that it evolved here in America. But what I want to do first is just backtrack a little bit um, and go a little bit to some of the points that you brought out. You know, when you were talking, I first thought of, for me as an educator, what I tell my students, you know, back in the Back in the day, we had like the flower and in the middle of that is public health and you have the administrator role and then the clinician and then the researcher. And now they've added entrepreneur, but they've gotten they've gotten rid of that flower. But I love the flower. And the reason why I love it is because it all centers around public health. And Mm -hmm. when students graduate and I was guilty of this initially to some degree, although I started with a part time public health job. Um, soon as I graduated, we forget the importance of public health. You know, a lot of times you're worried about paying the student loans back and you are worried about the hourly rate. 
But why was our profession created? It was created for the most vulnerable populations. It's for us to be reaching and getting out there, not for this private practice infrastructure that we have. It was Uh meant to serve the ones that need it the most. So I absolutely love the fact that that you challenged the passion that you were already given um, in international care, but also finding a way to also give back where you are located. But some hygienists that are listening, they're thinking, okay, Stacy sounds amazing. I'm nowhere near that. You know, they're like, oh my gosh, she's written a grant and she's gotten federal grant funds and she's been awarded by the Wrigley grant by the American Dental Hygienist Association. How, what would you say? Because a lot of the things that you said was getting prepped. How can a hygienist that is considering giving back get prepped to even understand what grant writing is? <laughs> to be honest, the very, very first grant I ever even, and I totally went at this, um, as a novice. I'm such a novice at all of this, but the only difference between me and that person scratching their head and saying, how do I, is I say, we're going to do it. You know, I, I, the, the word I can't is not in my vocabulary. I love <laughs> and so you know I I am just I'm one person that's had to figure this out as I go along and I and I ask questions and I send emails and I call people and I just say okay this is my thought what do you think what is the avenues that I can take and then um, you go, you just go. So honestly, I love the ADHA Wrigley grant. Um, it's, it's not that difficult to, to do. I mm-hmm. mean, you, mm-hmm. you just, it's on a template online. Um, I have written a few other grants that we've been lucky to, to receive. And it really just comes down to just share the story, share the need. Absolutely. And, and if that passion comes through in, the writing of the, of the grant, um, the people that determine that feel it. And so, and so you can be um, fairly successful that way, but honestly, it's just a matter of just doing it. I, (laughs) you just learn as you go. And I mean, I'm nobody special, but I, you just go, you just figure it out as you go. Yeah. Well, I I don't like you saying you're nobody special because (laughs) I honestly do feel that there's greatness in every single individual that's here on the planet. We just have to tap into that. Yep. And be okay and be okay and saying, you know what? I am great. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because everything that you're doing has benefited so and touched so many people's lives. Um, and that's your legacy, Stacy. Oh. And I think it's, it's wonderful. So I love the fact that you stated, you know, Hey, I didn't really know, you know, I didn't know. And I, from one of my first class classes in my graduate program at university of Bridgeport was grant writing. And guess mm. what they made us do? They, Write a grant? <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, they made us write a grant. And the grant that they wanted us to write for was for the Wrigley grant. So I actually had the chance of understanding how tough it was to create a program 
a fictional mm-hmm. program and also oh, yeah. apply for it. So yes, it is one of the most sim- simple forms of grant applications, but they still require enough information to know that you're going to be putting that money to good use. Oh, absolutely. Everything that you everything that you write for, I mean, you do have to write a budget and you have to determine, you have to say how the money will be spent and um, and then you have to report on what you how you spend it and and the good that you're doing and so, I mean, all of that is important as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you, you mentioned that, you know, some hygienists feel like they don't even know where to start with when it comes mm-hmm. to doing mobile dentistry, because you actually have some experience with teledentistry. So um, yeah. I definitely want you to touch on that and explain what that is. But for the hygienist that's feeling like they don't even know, like they don't even have the money to even invest in mobile dentistry. Yeah. Just tell them like what tips or, or strategies you would recommend for them in considering thinking beyond the profit and reaching out in that level? Yeah, absolutely. So um, probably the advice that I share with a lot of hygienists that are interested in this is you don't have to, it's not a huge, huge investment, especially for um, our seniors. There's, um, you have, I use just a, a cassettes of instruments and the cassettes of instruments that I've purchased are used. And usually I purchase them from a student. So you find a dental hygiene school, you say, Hey, is anybody interested in selling off your instruments? There's a few Facebook sites that, um, offer dental, um, instruments and equipment from recently graduated students. The the equipment and instruments are practically new. So it's still an awesome investment. So, um, you get a few cassettes um, make sure that they are in cassettes because instruments are an expensive investment. And so you want to protect them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, with our, with the senior population, it's a matter of maybe a little portable cavatron that you can, that you get and you want to have something that has some water to it. Um, and then a, a small little suction. So I know some hygienists will go out and purchase the big portable um, unit that's, you know, five, thousand dollars or so. Um, and I think you can do it for under two if Mm -hmm. you do. So your Cavatron is usually around a thousand used from a student by the way. And then you've got your Cavatron tips and then your, um, instrument sets. If you get even four of those sets and then you've got, um, and then your, your suction unit, I just use a home help suction unit works fantastic with a blue boa love the blue boa mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. um it's 150 dollars to that that's probably the least expensive investment so for under two thousand dollars you can easily go out and provide this care um to the seniors in the nursing homes or assisted living or whatever um for school-based programs there's a little bit more that's involved because you're going to be doing sealants. You need a little higher power suction. Um, so in that case, I do recommend you invest in a, in a portable, um, you know, with a good suction to it. So, um, so what about, so, you know, yes, they get those supplies, but they're still going to have on the, in the pit of their stomach, a big ball, because I, I tell you, the first time I bought some instruments, because, you know, most hygienists, what you're thinking of, okay, the doctor is going to supply it. And oh, when, wow, you, yeah. when you have to use your little coins, your little <laughs> pennies, <laughs> and your purse that's a little dusty right now, you know, um, 
you're like, man, I don't know. Like, is this even going to work for me? So how do you get oh over that gosh. hurdle? Can I just tell you the, the very first time I went and I bought my own instrument set up, mm-hmm. it is empowering. Mm-hmm. Like you can just, you feel like you can conquer the world because this is yours. Yes. You can take it wherever you go. You can offer the services that you are educated and, and highly skilled to provide. And it makes you feel like I can do anything because you're no longer relying on that um, dentist to provide that. I mean, how many of dental hygienists out there working in private practice are working with instruments that are pitiful? Like yeah, yeah. we don't even ask those, the dentist to, we just keep making it work and, and we can't provide the care that we need to provide in with that type of instrument. So if you have your own, even if you're in private practice, invest in your own Yes, it's, you're going to be able to provide better care to your patients. It's going to be easier on your, your hands and your body because you have what you need. And then when you, if you need to leave that practice, you take it all with you and then you're set up wherever else you go. I love it. I love it. Um, I definitely bring my own instruments when I temp. Um, and I, I love the fact that you said said it feels empowering. And it certainly does. I'm able to give better treatment. I know that it's mine. Um, and I'm I'm able to actually not just better, but the best treatment I could possibly give for my patients because my Absolutely. instruments are sharp. I was so done with butter knife instruments and my hands feeling like right. every bone in my hand was broken. <laughs> By the end of my day. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's terrible. So, all right. So for, you know, what I appreciate is th- what I'm hearing from you is being empowered by purchasing your own instruments, even if you're in a state that you're not able to practice and um, sort of independently or in a collaborative practice as you are in Utah, because Maryland's a lot more restrictive um, when it comes to that. Making sure that, you know, even if you're starting off, you may not totally know and understand everything, but you're going to mm-hmm. you're going to go for it. And I'm sure you're the type of person that will ask questions if you need to find out more um, mm-hmm. and have a support team, because what you mentioned Absolutely. was being involved with the constituent um, helped you. So tell Absolutely. listeners, because this is a big wave right now. What is teledentistry? Because listeners <laughs> want to know what is that? It's like the best thing that we've got to uh, to provide care, especially under collaborative practice. So what it looks like is um, we use it mainly in our school-based program, which is fantastic. And I came across it when I was looking for um, HIPAA compliant. I knew I needed to be able to share my treatment plan or my, the treatment that I was providing with my collaborative dentist. And when I very, very first started, I would just send him a little email and say, okay, I saw this many patients. This is what I saw. I think we need to follow up with this particular patient. They have decay. And, um, and then I had someone look at me and said, you can't be sending that through email without it being encrypted. That's not HIPAA compliant. And I'm like, Oh shoot, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) So we learn as we go. And so I started kind of, um, just doing some research and I came across mouthwatch Brant Herman at mouthwatch. It was, he, they just launched, um, a, the, the 
it was at the time it was exam tab, um, right out of the gate. And I, I called him, he was attending under one roof and he was like, ah, I'm, I'm with people, but let me call you back after, after I'm done here. And, um, he called and he's, and I told him what I was doing and he said, I can absolutely help you with what I've got. So, so what it looks like is, um, we've, we, we bring a child into, we actually have a dental hygiene clinic on these, in these two school-based programs. So it's like, you know, the school nurse, we are the school dental hygienist, which is awesome. We love it. So we bring a child in, we, um, we take radiographs, we upload them into mouthwatch. We take all of the intraoral images, um, which are in mouthwatch. And then there's a little sync or a sync button, which pulls all that information into the cloud. And then, um, and then I, it's kind of like Skype really, but I, I call the dentist who's on the other side and he receives notification. He's got one of those little smartwatches so he can see that he's um, got a call and wherever he is. Um, sometimes he's in his own practice. Sometimes he's at the other school seeing students there and, um, and he'll come on the screen. And the first thing he says to the student is, Hey, you know, how's it going? How's your teeth? And the students light up. They think it's the <laughs> coolest thing that they can talk to their dentist on the computer screen. Wow. And so, um, so they have a cute little conversation. And the other cool thing about that too, is let's say this child comes in with a mouthful of decay and we've got to get him or her taken care of. Um, they've already had that communication with that particular dentist, whether they mm-hmm. choose to go there or not, but they're a little less nervous because they've already met him, even though it could have been on a computer screen. Um, but they're like, oh, I saw you. I've seen them in, when he walks through the school and he's like, I saw you on the computer. And, you know, he'll give them high fives and they think it's really <laughs> cool. Which is, you know, for them, seeing somebody on TV is almost like a movie star. So right. you see somebody like on the computer. They love it. So um, so then he's able to, on his side, review all of the x-rays, the um or intraoral images, ask me questions about what I'm seeing. And he'll say, you know, I see there's something on tooth number three. What does that feel like with the Explorer? And I'll feel it. And I'm like, yeah, it's starting to feel a little soft in the distal, um, occlusal groove. And he'll say, okay, let's do something about that. Or he'll say, show me with the intraoral camera. And in lifetime, he can watch his computer and see what my intraoral camera is doing. So he can determine the best care um, and treatment plan. And then we discuss the treatment plan between the two of us. We agree, like I can do sealants on two of the molars, two of the molars are probably going to need some occlusal fillings. And he's like, I agree, proceed with care. Mm -hmm. And so, um, we're able to in real time determine the best care for these patients, um, and all from a distant location. And it's incredible. We've been able to do so much, um, in these is. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. You know, I, I learned about mouthwash, wash. Sometimes we get set that coming out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank God I learned about mouthwash. Um, <laughs> I learned about mouthwatch at the Pennsylvania Dental Hygiene Association annual session. I would say that was November and I met uh, Edie. And so she explained what it was, which was so cool. I, you know, I already do telemedicine with 
Kaiser. Uh, my family okay. and I are subscribers with that. And so when I needed to have an appointment with the doctor and, and I had seen them within a certain period of time, I can make one virtually. Um, it was, it was, it's wonderful, wonderful. And you can see them, you can talk to them. It it doesn't require you to leave your home. And so to see that it's being utilized like this just gives me hope for places like where I live on the East coast that is a little, is definitely more strict, not as liberal as my Midwest friends, central friends and those (laughs) in the West. Um, but it's coming. It's it hopefully before, I'm, you know, up there in age um, <laughs> when I can still practice, um, but it's definitely coming and it's definitely something that needs to be utilized. We are fully capable of doing all that and more um, and in our profession. We need to prevent more disease. We need Absolutely. to prevent it. Well, and I am, I'm seeing a movement towards that even nationally. I just mm-hmm. think um even over the last three years, there's mm-hmm. just been this, uh, it's hard to even keep up with how fast states are changing and moving to improve access to care and focus mm-hmm. more on prevention. Mm-hmm. And I, it, I, tr- I say it often, but it truly is an exciting time to be part of dentistry. Absolutely. I, I feel it. I feel it too. It is evolving rapidly and I'm happy to be in that process while it's happening. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. these are your last final questions, your last two questions. Um, let me know the last book you read. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Um, I have started Teeth with Mary Otto. I, um, I love it. It's, it just hits home. It's exactly, I, I love that she's non-dental, but she sees the passion and sees the need Absolutely. for what needs to change. I love the history that she shares mm-hmm. of kind of where we've ended up, where we are at. Um, so highly, highly recommend that book to anyone, any of the listeners that are out there. Absolutely. I, I feel the same, same way. And actually I read it through Audible and it's, it's really nice. Listen, really nice. Listen. All right. What was the best career advice you've ever been given? Networking and collaborating, um, working with others to accomplish. You just will accomplish more bringing ideas together, bringing minds together, not necessarily even just dental, but collaborating outside and reaching into other organizations that are, you know, focus on refugees or children or seniors or, um, or legislatively, just as you make those connections, doors open for you that you would never have expected. So I think that was probably the best advice. And I do share that advice and I follow that advice too. Yes. Amen to that. Amen. Because I would be nowhere where I am in my career. And I'm sure a lot of people will agree with that without the collaboration that you've had with other like-minded professionals and the networking we've done either through being a part of your association, which of course is the easiest way to do it um, or some, by some other means, attendance at conferences, what have you. But Stacey, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, We could have talked for a lot longer. Easily. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we, we just like to, touched like the little, little, little tip of everything, but there was some pearls that were shared in this, this, uh, discussion today. So if 
listeners are interested in getting in touch with you, how can they reach you or find out about the program that you are with? Absolutely. And I'm always willing to share everything that I've learned. I've had the same given to me and uh, you know, you pay it forward, you learn what you know, and you, and you share that. So anyone that would like to reach out to me, I would be more than happy to, to visit, to talk, to help. Um, and so you can reach me either through email which is Stacy Stout at msn.com. That's S T A C I S T O U T at msn.com. Um, and uh, Facebook. I'm on Facebook. You're welcome to message me through that way as well. So, um, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Stacy, again for being on this episode. And um, you have a great day. Thanks, Jasmine. You too. Thanks a bunch. 